Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How would you respond if you suddenly found yourself in the presence of God? Would you be excited? Would you be filled with joy? Would you be a little anxious that you might mess things up a little bit? In today's Old Testament reading, and in today's Gospel reading, we hear of men who find themselves in the presence of God. And they had the exact same reaction. Fear. In Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah suddenly finds himself in the presence of God. He is suddenly... In the throne room of God, he sees God himself on the throne with these seraphim, those those six-winged angels flying overhead and crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The whole earth is full of his glory. The sound of the seraphim is so powerful, they cry out and it just shakes the entire room. And in this smoke-filled throne room, with six-winged angels crying out and causing the whole place to shake, with God himself at the center, Isaiah is suddenly confronted with his own mortality and his own sin. Suddenly Isaiah is in the presence of true holiness, and in the presence of true holiness, now all of a sudden his own sinfulness just is so starkly obvious. When I was in high school, my last year of high school, um, I was on the basketball team, and we, we had a decent team, and we were, uh, we were playing in the state tournament, the vast state basketball tournament, and we were up against another team that we were pretty evenly matched against. It, it was back and forth, really close all the way to the end, and we just lost by a little bit at the end. Could have gone either way. We ended up losing. Go. So, when you play on the basketball team in high school, you think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm probably pretty good. You know, I'm, clearly, I'm one of the better players in the whole school to even be on the team, right? So I'm, uh, and, and when you're growing up, you're playing through all, on all these different teams, and uh, so you think you're, you're, you're doing all right. Well, The team we played against went on to play in the next round of the tournament, Detroit Country Day, which was Chris Weber's school and was the school that Mr. Basketball for the state of Michigan for that year, Shane Battier, also happened to attend. And uh, if you don't know who Shane Battier is, he went on to play at Duke and was an All-American and played 14 years in the NBA. He was pretty good. So the team we just barely lost to, they go on, they play country day in the next round, and they get throttled. But here's the thing. Battier didn't even play. (laughs) They didn't even play their best player, and they just throttled the team that we narrowly lost to. All of a sudden, we who thought we were pretty good basketball players go, (laughs) maybe not that good. (laughs) Now, this is kind of what happens with Isaiah. Isaiah might have thought, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm better than most of the people around here. I'm, I, I do uh, what the Lord would have me do for the most part. And then 
All of a sudden, now when you're in the presence of the holiness of God, where the standard is now perfection, he goes, oh, uh uh-oh. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live amidst a people of unclean lips, and I'm in the presence of God. I'm in trouble. In today's gospel reading, Peter has a similar reaction. The setting is very, very different, though. Peter's not in the throne room of God. In, in Luke chapter 5, we find very normal circumstances. Jesus is walking by the sea. There's the boats. There's the fishermen mending their nets. Um, previously, now, let, let me really read how this begins. Ch- chapter 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him... To hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. I love the the beginning of this because up until this point in Luke, in chapter 4, multiple times we've heard Jesus preach. We've heard Jesus speaking. But it's always been at the synagogue on the Sabbath day, right? So he would go to the Sabbath, uh, on the Sabbath day to the synagogue. They would open the scrolls. He would read from God's word and then he would preach. But now people are following Jesus even in the middle of the week. It's not the Sabbath. This is some other day. But people are crowding around to hear Jesus because they longed to hear the word of God. This really is keeping with the third commandment. You remember the third commandment, right? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching in his word, but what? Hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. See, these people were gladly hearing and learning the word of God, not just on the Sabbath day. They were saying, hey, if Jesus is there, I want to go listen to him. They wanted to hear him throughout the week. It seems that their love for Jesus just grew. They wanted to hear his word more and more. They didn't get bored. They didn't say, yeah, we already know all that stuff. They took his words to heart, and they wanted more. With the crowds pressing in on Jesus, right up against the sea of, of, of uh, what is it? Call it here, the Lake of Gennesaret, better known to us as the Sea of Galilee. They're, they're pressing in, and Jesus sees these boats, and he thinks, well, I can go out into the boat. I don't have these people pressing in on me. This is going to be a lot easier. So he goes to Simon's boat, asks him to put out into the water, and Simon agrees to do so. Now, it tells us at the beginning of this, they were mending their nets, or they were were cleaning their nets. They had been working all night long already. When Jesus comes upon them, I think it would be pretty obvious they had been working all night long because fishing was a very labor-intensive thing. It would have been pretty clear they put in a a hard day's work already. And yet Jesus asks him, and he agrees to go out into the water. He he puts out into the water, and Jesus teaches. And, of course, Jesus' teaching is probably not a 15-minute sermon. It's probably an hour or more, probably several hours. And Simon was probably already tired. The other guys were probably already tired, but they willingly go and do this. Now, after Jesus is done teaching, Jesus has another word for Simon. 
put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, again, they were already tired, doubtless. <laughs> they had already put in a long day of work. And now Jesus tells them to go out into the deep, which means rowing even further away from shore, more work to let down their nets. When Simon responds, he says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. And you can, you can almost anticipate he's going to say, and, and you don't even know anything about fishing. <laughs> I mean, we're the fishermen. You're going to tell us how to do this? You stick to the religious stuff. You tell people about the things of God and, and repentance and forgiveness and that kind of stuff. You don't know about the real world, the real stuff. But that's not what he says. He says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. See, sometimes, sometimes people do respond in that first way to the word of Jesus. Say, you know, sure, Christianity is great, and hearing about forgiveness and love and all that is good, but, uh, you know, there's, there's times when you just have to do what the world thinks you're supposed to do just to get by. I, I can't really live and live by and apply the word of, of Jesus in everything, can I? And suddenly we're back to the third commandment again, aren't we? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy? What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching in his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. We, we actually love the word of God and apply it and say, all right, I don't even know, understand why God would have me do it in this way, but if God says that, I'm going to do it. Simon doesn't reject the words of Jesus, but because Jesus said it, he's willing to do it. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. <laughs> Very next verse. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the, in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. So many fish! <laughs> now this would be a reason to rejoice. Such a large catch of fish with two boats filled to the point that they're, they're weighed down, to the point that they might even be on the verge of sinking. This would mean a lot of dollar signs for the fishermen. But Simon's mind wasn't on that at all, was it? When Simon saw what happened, it hit him. He was in the presence of God. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Sounds an awful lot like Isaiah, doesn't it? In the presence of the most holy God, sinners are confronted with the reality of their sin and they recognize just how wicked they have been because they are in the presence of holiness. You ever heard somebody say something like this? I, I couldn't go to church. As soon as I walked through the doors, the roof would cave in. You know, and people say that 
And I, I always used to take that as, well, they're just kind of trying to say, well, I don't really want to come to church, and, and this is a funny way of kind of excusing this. But, but I, think, I think a lot of times people actually mean this. I couldn't come to church. I'm not like you. I'm not a good person. I've done all of these bad things. There's no way. I don't belong there. I, I'm a sinner. They know their sin. And they don't think they're worthy of God's love. And they don't think they're worthy of God's forgiveness. And they're right. So was Isaiah and so was Peter. All of us sinners deserve God's justice. We deserve what we've earned. But that's not what God gives us. Instead, Isaiah receives purification from the Lord. Right? Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your mouth. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And Simon hears Jesus. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And God does the same thing for us. From the altar, what do we receive? The body and blood of Jesus. This has touched your lips. Behold, your sin, or your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And Jesus says to us, fear not, because Jesus has taken away our sin. On the cross, the full punishment we deserve was taken gladly, willingly by Jesus. He suffered and died with our guilt, taking our punishment so that we don't get what we deserve. Instead, we get forgiveness and love and mercy. So that now Jesus says to us, fear not, your sins are forgiven. Through Jesus, God becomes for us not a terrifying judge, but a loving father. Because of Jesus, we sinners can enter into the presence of God without fear. This is a, a point that the book of Hebrews makes again and again and again. Right? For instance, uh, verse Uh, Chapter 7, verse 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Because he lives, always lives, to make intercession for them. And 1 John 3. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So let me ask you again. How would you respond if you found yourself in the presence of God? Well, you are in the presence of God, aren't you? You can't get away from the presence of God, if we're honest. So should we panic? Should we be afraid? Well, no. Through Jesus, because of Jesus, we rejoice. Because we draw near, having had our our sins forgiven. That's how we begin the service, with the absolution. And you've heard the the voice of Jesus. Do not be afraid. And soon from the altar, you're going to receive that purifying guilt, the body and blood of Jesus. So with sins forgiven, we draw near to God. But with sins forgiven, we're also now sent into the world. Isaiah was sent to speak to the people. Peter was sent. You're going to be a fisher of men. And now Jesus says to us, you're going to go out too. Because I, I purified your lips. I purified your tongue. And you now, forgiven sinner... You get to go tell the good news 
that there's forgiveness for others as well. We are sent to speak the word of Jesus to a friend who doesn't feel worthy to come to church. We're sent to speak it to the people like those in Nazareth who are going to hear it, and they're not going to like it, and they might even get mad at us for it. We're called to speak of Jesus far and wide because he's purified our lips and our tongues, and he sends us now to invite others to come and to receive mercy. Jesus is God with us. Not God who has come to terrify us, but God who has come to help us and to save us. God with us, so that we might always be with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. I invite you to stand now as we continue with the prayers of the church.